Hi, this is Bishop E. James Logan, Senior Pastor of Christian Faith Fellowship Church in Zion, Illinois. Welcome to our podcast. I pray you'll be blessed by a fresh word from God every time you tune in. Hallelujah. Thank you, band. Thank you, praise team. Have the honor and privilege of bringing the word this morning. And I have a lot of notes, but I just feel like preaching from the Bible today. So if you could, if you could turn with me to Exodus chapter 33. And and you and I will read one little short passage of scripture. And then I'll go and exegete the text. If you could turn with me to Exodus chapter 33, verse 18. Exodus 33, verse 18. I hear pages turning. You know, it's as high tech and fancy and sophisticated as, as we are. Sometimes it's just good to have a physical Bible so you don't forget how to get to Obadiah. It might be easy for you to pass it up so you don't just skip over Esther and Book of Titus. Many people don't preach from those books. One day I might just challenge myself and just preach from Obadiah. Just That might be too carnal of me. But Exodus chapter 33, verse 18. You got it? Let us all read this together. Ready? Let's read. And he said, please show me your glory. Heavenly Father, do only what you can do. Have your way. In Jesus' name, amen. You may have your seats. And he said, please show me your glory. The topic of today's teaching is show me your glory. You know, after several days of praying and fasting, and we ended the prayer on such a high note, such an amazing moment in the history of, of our church. After you've hungered and thirsted naturally, <laughs> there should still be a burning desire for God to show you his glory. And this is what Moses is doing. This this isn't Moses' first encounter with God. This is actually one of many amazing encounters that Moses has had with God. But he says something interesting, and, and as I begin to read it more and dive deep and go deeper into the context of scripture here, Moses was actually kind of like, like demanding God show him his glory. Anybody ever got to a place where you put a demand on God? Okay, just me. Okay, all right. Just me. Anybody ever 
been in powerful moves of God and you, and you say, you know what, God? Yeah, God, that was awesome. But, you know, I need more. God, God service was high and service was powerful, but, but, I, but I don't want to leave this place because, because your presence is everything to me. Moses put a demand on God. Glory, I'll give you some definitions and we'll go back into the text. Glory is, is defined simply as the splendor of God. The splendor of God. Other theologians acknowledge glory as God's judgment, as his salvation, and as his weight. Somebody say weight. Weight. A few weeks ago, in December, I talked about honoring God. How do we honor God? We put weight on his name. You honor God with weight. That's why glory and honor are oftentimes written together in the Bible. Glory and honor. Dominion and power. Glory and honor. When you glorify something, that shows that you honor it. When you glorify something, that shows that you are giving weight to that which you are glorifying. And it's interesting that you may think, like, how, how, do, we, how do we add weight to God's name? How, how do we glorify God, who is the God of the universe? He, he, doesn't need, he doesn't need me. He doesn't, but we need him. We need him, and you need to recognize your position and your status in the earth. Because, see, early on in the Bible days, there, there, were, there were three uh, primary, primary angels that God would use. God would use one specific angel to use to, to whenever God was trying to carry out a word in the land. If you go read, I don't have time to do it right now. If you go and read your Bible, you will see God would always have this particular angel speak the word. And then anytime there was, there was warfare, God would send this other particular angel. I don't have time to go into it right now. And then anytime God wanted praise or he wanted worship or he wanted adoration, the Bible says that he created this particular being. His name was what? Lucifer. And Lucifer, everywhere he turned, he was beautiful. Everywhere he looked, everywhere he moved, there were sounds and glory would come from his body because God created Lucifer to bring him glory. But then, but then Lucifer got twisted like some, some of your kids might get. Are you talking to me crazy right now? Lucifer got a little twisted and God had to send Lucifer out of his presence because the one that he created to bring him glory now decided that actually I kind of want some glory myself. The Bible says that Lucifer was struck down from heaven like lightning. And then the Bible says that he created us in his image and in his likeness. And we were created to bring God glory. And everything that we do, the life of a believer, our jobs are to bring glory to his name. I was talking to one of my mentees the other day, and, and I, he was asking me questions. He had just got married. He was asking me questions about, you know, uh, uh, you know marriage and, and certain things. And so I said, son, not son, I said, I said, uh, 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 whatever his name is. I almost said his name. I said, listen, it, it is our job as a believer, it is our job as a believer 
to, to glorify God's name. I said, just as you and your wife just got married, if your wife goes out here and starts making you look bad, that brings shame on your name. Says same with you. I said, if you, it's not just, and it's not just the women. Can, it, can, can we just clap on that? Because sometimes we like to think, oh, if the woman out here, she bringing shame on the glory of, of the husband's name. No, no, no. Husbands, you bring shame on your name too when you out here living foul. Okay, I knew it was going to be quiet on that one. And, 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 so, and so just as our, our uh, uh, marriages here on the earth are to exemplify one another and to show honor and glory and respect to one another, if we profess to take God's name and we then go out into the world and live how we want to live, act how we want to act, talk how we want to talk, we are bringing shame on God's name instead of glory. And it is the, the job and the obligation of the believer to ensure that we bring glory to his name. The Bible says in Matthew 5, 16, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your father in heaven. Your life should be bringing forth good works so that God gets glory. When people see you, they know, oh, he, he saved, she saved. So they, you, you bring glory to the name of God. It pains me to see big time, popular, big name Christian leaders fall into sexual immorality, fall into, into moral failure and, and, and end up having to leave their church or end up getting kicked out of the church. Like, like you're bringing shame, not just on your name. You didn't think about, you didn't even think about your name. Somebody say spirit of dumb. You brought shame on God's name. And one of the things that the world does is they don't look at, you know, the local churches that have been in the community building and helping plant and helping the community grow and expand and, and feeding the homeless and doing all of these other things. They don't, they don't talk about that. That's not what hits the tabloids. XYZ preacher with big name fell into sexual immorality with 27 like that's the stuff they blast they don't blast the churches that give millions of dollars away buy homes and cars and things like that they don't they don't do that so you have a responsibility because you know the world is looking for ways to make your god seem small i saw i saw a, a, a social media post where a young man he was just literally walking through the mall now, this is just a clip. This is the clip that I saw. He was just walking through the mall, and he had a shirt on that said, Jesus saves. That was a loud shirt, but it said, Jesus saves. It was lime green and purple. And they asked him to, to leave the premises and never come back. They banned him from the mall. He wasn't walking around with the little speaker and saying, everybody, you going to hell. He just had a shirt on that said, Jesus saves, real big. Isn't it interesting that in every aspect of our culture, they want us to be inclusive? I used to work in diversity and inclusion. They want to include everything except Jesus. That goes to, that, that always made me wonder, like, like, okay, if they're allowing all these other names, all these other gods, 
You may see some of the stickers, the coexist stickers, and they got all the different religions. They want us to coexist, but Muslims will tell you, we don't believe, we believe Jesus was real, but we don't believe he's the son of God, so then you don't believe in Jesus. But they'll tell you, no, brother, we believe in Jesus. No, you don't. We believe he is the way, the truth, and the... Without him, you can't get to, to the gate. You cannot get to heaven without Jesus. You have to confess and profess Jesus as Savior and Lord. We can't coexist. I, I can love you from a distance, but we ain't, we, we, it's not the same. You have to be mindful of how you carry yourself because you carry glory with you. Or you should. You carry glory with you. Okay, let me come back to my notes. Okay, so, so there's, there's two aspects of glory and the glory of God. One, it is an attribute. Somebody say an attribute. It is an attribute of God. So it talks about his majestic beauty, his splendor, and the recognition of mankind. We were created to bring glory to God. That's why the devil fights you so hard. Because we took his position. He had a high and lofty position and he got beside himself and now he's attacking you because every time he sees you, he sees what he should have been. I just preach right there. I just, that's why he fights you so hard because anytime you begin to wake up and you arise to righteousness and you begin to walk in the fullness of who God has created and called for you to be, the devil gets mad and then he sends attacks your way. Because if the devil can get your mind, he can get the rest of you. If the devil can, can harden your heart, he got you. That's why the Bible says to guard your heart. For from it flows the issues of life. You got to guard your heart. The Bible says, as a man thinketh where? Not in his head, in his heart. How can a heart think? A heart doesn't have a brain. But your heart will make you do some crazy stuff. Your heart made you do that. <laughs> okay. We don't have testimony. Say, but your heart made you do some crazy stuff. And the devil knows all I got to do is plant little seeds. And they'll begin to forget who they are. My father has this phrase that he says to us all the time. Anytime my wife and I are traveling or anytime we would go off to school, he would say this phrase to us, and I texted it to them, and he, he cracked up. He says, be safe, be smart, be wise. And then he ends it with this, remember who you are. Remember who you are. See, that's what the devil wants to attack. He wants to attack your memory of who God has created for you to be. He wants you to think that you're beneath. He wants you to think that you're less than. He wants you to think that you're bound with depression. He wants you to think that you'll never find love. He wants you to think that you'll never be like so-and-so. He wants you to compare because comparison kills. He wants to get your mind. He wants to get your soul. He wants to uh, 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 fill you with anxiety and depression. That's what the devil wants to do because if you lose your mind, okay, it's too real. 
So as an attribute, the scriptures record that praise is due his glorious name. That's in Nehemiah chapter 9, verse 5. In Ephesians chapter 1, verse 7, it, it describes God as a glorious father. It says in Psalm 24 that, and the king of glory shall come in. Who is the king of glory? The Lord God, strong and mighty. The Bible says that he is exalted above the heavens and his glory is over all of the earth. He is the God of glory that appeared to the patriarchs in Acts chapter 7 verse 2. He is jealous to maintain his glory and he's unwilling that it be given to another. Do you know that God is jealous over his glory? So when you begin to give glory to another thing, how do you think God feels? When you begin to glorify your stuff over the one that gave you the stuff. It took me a while to realize it. You know, God, God, God would allow things to fall out of your lap when you begin to idolize stuff. It's like, man... What happened to so-and-so? They, man, they was doing good. Man, they had, man, he had a new Benz, he had an Escalade, and he had a Range Rover. Man, we had a Super Bowl party at his house. Man, dude got a mansion. Man, he had the big screen, and he had the plasmas before plasmas was even out. You talk to him now, he ain't got none of that stuff because he glorified his stuff over God. It's right here. God is jealous to maintain his glory and unwilling that it be given to another. Then the Bible says that he acts to bring glory to himself. In Romans 1.20 says that the glory of God is proclaimed by creation. You can just wake up and you hear the birds chirping. Some of y'all that's from down south, you hear the, the chickens and the roosters. You, you may have been annoyed because you heard that all your life. That's the glory of God. <laughs> them chickens and them roosters, they was letting you know it's time to get up. The glory of God has shown that the sun continues to rise in the east and set in the west. That's the glory of God. The, the glory of God is that every night you look up into the heavens and you see the stars, the sun, and the moon. Each day, everything is where it should be because God is allowing creation to preach for him. And it is our job not to just let rocks cry out, but we ourselves need to cry out to God and acknowledge that, God, you are a glorious God. God, above you, there is no other. You are splendid and your majesty and you rule, rest, reign, and abide. And God, just like Moses said, show me your glory. God, I will declare your glory to the ends of the earth because, God, you have been better than good. Bible says that his glory is revealed in his mighty acts of salvation and deliverance. His glory is revealed in not just miracle signs and wonders, but in his salvation. There was a glorious thing when you got saved. God's glory was revealed. 
when you gave your life over to him. Then, secondly, glory is not just an attribute of God, but glory is the presence of God. Glory is the presence of God. Glory as his presence references the glory of God is often particular historical manifestations of his presence. Historical manifestations of his presence. We'll talk about that in a second. The Bible says that, that it shows us as images of light and fire. Light and fire are consistently recognized and connected to the glory of God. And it happens on a regular basis. Light and fire. Okay? And then the foremost example is known in rabbinical literature as Shekinah glory. Anybody heard Shekinah glory? Y'all remember the, remember the group? It was Shekinah glory. Yeah. Yeah. And Shekinah glory means the, the dwelling glory of God. God's glory that dwells. Sometimes you can see it in here if, if you're tapped in enough. I know Elder Bev, she, she, I know she can see it. I know she can see it. Elder Beverly, she be tapped in. And, and the glory of God that, that dwells. Sometimes when worship is real high in this place and everybody is not stuck up and, and came in all cute with their lashes and their they wigs glued on real tight, when we come in here and we begin to open up our mouths and we begin to reverence and honor the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords and we say we're not here for a fashion show, but we're truly here to give God glory and we begin to open up our mouths in one place, in one tabernacle with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. This is the house of prayer. This is the house of worship. This is the house where God rests, rules, and abides. Sometimes you can experience, sometimes his presence is tangible. Sometimes his glory can be felt. You think you got goosebumps. No, baby, that's the glory. You feel like the hair is standing up on the back of your neck. No, baby, that's the glory. Somebody turn to your neighbor and say, neighbor, I don't know if you knew what it was, but that's the glory. That's, that's, that's the glory, and, and that's, that's where I want to be. Wherever your presence is, God, that's where I want to be, God. I'll make, I'll make my home a living tabernacle, and God, you can meet me right where I am, but God, I won't just stay there. I'll go to the place where you told us to build, and God, your glory will rest on us in a pillar of cloud and fire. Now, if we go to Exodus chapter 33, verse 7, we'll read some Bible and then we'll go home. Exodus 33, 7. I'll read some Bible. Is that okay? Exodus 33, 7. The Bible says this, New King James Version. Moses took his tent and pitched it outside of the camp, far from the camp, and called it the tabernacle of meeting. Now, before this, you have to understand what's going on here. So before this, uh, uh, Moses, in previous chapters, had went up to Mount Sinai, had an amazing encounter with God, saw the splendor and the majesty and the, and the burning bush. He's, Moses is seeing stuff ain't nobody ever seen before. So Moses has a perspective of the glory of God that the common believers did not have. Moses says, listen, y'all, I'll be right back. I'm going up to meet with God. I'll be back. Don't y'all do nothing crazy. You ever told your kids, listen, I'm going to the store. <laughs> Real quick, don't do nothing crazy. Now, Jewel Osco is about 
10 minutes from your house. Y'all notice how I said Jewel, not Jewels. There's no S. Jewel Osco. For my Wisconsin folks, y'all go to Woodman's. There is an S. Uh, Woodman's is 10 minutes from your house. Jewel. Now, y'all bougie now, because we got an egg shortage. So y'all going to Whole Foods, because they got the good eggs. Sidebar, I went, to, uh, I went to Meyer. My wife said, can you pick up some eggs? Y'all, there was no eggs, none. What is going on? Do y'all see like the Bible fulfilling itself? Anyway, eggs, we ain't got no eggs. The good eggs, that light blue carton, you can, you can have that. I don't know what kind of eggs. It so you crack them over, it'd be two of them in there. Why is it two yolks? I know he said my yoke is easy and my burden is light. That was a knee slapper. <laughs> Y'all crazy. But did you <laughs> Bring it back, bring it back. Y'all, Bishop is watching. Bring it back, bring it back. We're talking about the glory now. <laughs> but did you ever think that we would not have eggs? A pandemic of eggs? The chickens can't produce enough eggs? Anyway, I don't even know where I was. I'm going back to the Bible. <laughs> the Bible says, Moses took his tent, pitched it outside. Oh, I was, talking about, I was talking about the children. He said, don't do nothing crazy. Thank you. Thank you, Holy Ghost. He brought it back. Don't do nothing crazy. I'll be right back. Moses goes up. God literally writes the Ten Commandments. God did. He writes the Ten Commandments. Moses has just had an amazing encounter with God. Can you imagine how you would feel if you go up and you have an amazing encounter with God? He literally performed a miracle in front of you. And then on your way back down, you get back to the house and your kids then tow up that furniture in that room they're not supposed to go in. They done broke your china that you was never going to eat off of. Baby girl then wrote Sharpie all on the walls. And you're like, oh my, I'm going to whoop somebody. We can't say that no more, can we? Okay, I'm just, I'm just trying to make sure I'm in the right church. <laughs> Moses come back and they're partying and they're living foul and they've built a golden calf. Do you know how long it has to take for Aaron to watch these people gather up all their gold that they weren't on? They was dripped out. That's crazy. They was dripped out, like had all this gold and stuff, and they built this big old golden calf. Do you imagine how long Moses had to be up on Mount Sinai for them to build a golden calf that quickly? He must have been up there for a minute. So the people of God couldn't even wait for the man of God to come back down from experiencing an amazing encounter with God. They had to just worship something. So then God says, y'all need to repent. And then he says, y'all are some stiff-necked people. 
Now you have to imagine God has to be really, really upset for him to call you stiff-necked. Because you got to think, you got to think. We got to go down the, the line here. Now, I, I've delivered y'all from the hand of Pharaoh. I, I, I caused y'all to see a miracle right in front of me where I parted the Red Sea and you walked on dry land. And then as your enemies began chasing you, I began allowing the sea to begin to close up on them and they could not get to you. I was with you. Now, I know I, I promised you a land. I, I promised you a place where you're going to be able to dwell. You're going to be able to build. I'm going to be with you. My presence is going to go before you. I'm going to. You are my called, chosen, set apart people. You got to know I love you. You got to know I'm not just doing things just because I'm going with the flow. Like I have a unique plan and design for your life. And you couldn't wait For my servant to come back down off a high encounter with me, you stiff-necked people. Stiff-necked. They liken this to the donkeys or the, or the ram or the cattle that when their shepherd or the farmer would try to get them to come on, they, they, stiff, they stiffen their necks. No, I'm staying right here. My dog do that sometimes. Like, you too little to be trying to stiffen your neck. If you don't get your butt on, let's go. It's cold outside. <laughs> if you don't come on, think you can have your way in the presence of God. And some of us are like that. We're stiff-necked people. God is saying, go left. But God, I want to stay here. I'm comfortable right here. God says, you stiff-necked people. So then God tells Moses, listen, I need you to build a tabernacle of meeting. A tabernacle of meeting. Well, Moses didn't have time enough to build this particular tabernacle yet. So Moses had a tent. Somebody say a tent. So Moses had a tent. And it came to pass that everyone who sought the Lord went out to the tabernacle of meeting. This tent became the tabernacle. Moses used what he already had. Moses was desperate enough for God. He said, God, I, I, I know the tabernacle ain't built yet, but I'll make my living quarters your house. I, I, I'll make this little tent, God, and God, if you would, if you would just meet me here, if you would meet me here, if you would meet me in this place, Y'all think tent revivals is just something that folks made up. It's, it's scriptural. It's biblical. God, if you will meet me here in this place, it's not beautiful. There are no amazing lights. We don't have the best sound equipment. But if you would meet me here in this tent. Because it came to pass, everyone who saw the Lord went out to the tabernacle of meeting, which was outside of the camp. So the camp is likened into a, a big city. It's a big city. It's a, it's a downtown type city. And the Bible says that, that Moses pitched his tent outside the camp, far from the camp. So if you wanted to meet with God, you had to get a little bit uncomfortable. 
If you wanted to meet with God, you had to go out of your way. You had to make a decision that I'm going to get up out of my bed. I'm going to get up out of my comfortable place and I'm going to drive however long it takes for you to get here. I'm going to drive and I'm going to go to the tabernacle of meeting because I truly want to seek the glory of God. Everyone who saw the Lord went out of their way to the tabernacle of meeting, which was outside of the camp. So it was whenever Moses went outside to the tabernacle that all the people rose and each man stood at his tent door. People knew, oh, Moses, Moses is going out to the tabernacle of meeting again. And when Moses would be on his way to the tabernacle of meeting, the men would stand at the front of their homes. And the Bible says, They would stand at his tent door and they watched Moses until he went into the tabernacle. Verse 9, and it came to pass when Moses entered the tabernacle that the pillar of cloud descended and stood at the door of the tabernacle. The pillar of cloud. This is the glory of God. They saw physical manifestations of God's glory. Like literally, I want you to imagine a pillar of cloud. Think about the darkest cloud you can see or a glory cloud, however spiritual you want to make it. And this cloud stood in front of the tent door. So they had to know Moses really is a man of God because we've never seen anything like this. It says, and the cloud stood at the door of the tabernacle and the Lord talked with Moses and all the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the tabernacle door and all the people rose and they worshiped each man in his tent door verse 11 so the Lord spoke to Moses face to face somebody say face to face I remember Bishop has been talking to us on prayer and fasting he says we need to seek God's what face you need to seek God's face because when you seek the face of God you see things you haven't seen before you, you have an encounter that you've never had before. When you seek the face of God, God, God will change you. When you have an encounter with glory, it changes you. When we have encounters of glory, we should be changed. We should not leave encounters the same way that we came. There should be some, some glory remnants on you, glory residue on you. That somebody should look at you after you leave here and you go to Cooper's Hawk or wherever you're going to go, and they should say, is something do I know you is no that's that's the glory I, I I've been in the face of God you you are what you are seeing what you are experiencing from me is a glimpse of the glory of God the Lord spoke to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend and then Moses would return to his camp but watch this but his servant Joshua the son of Nun the Bible he it clearly defines this Joshua was a young man He did not depart from the tabernacle. When you have an encounter with God, there are other people that are watching you have an encounter with God, and they want to know, is your encounter as real as you make it look? And so then they watch you, and then they say, well, let me see if this glory thing is real. So Joshua, out of his holy curiosity, begins to stand before the presence of God in the tabernacle, in the tent of meeting and he begins to experience the glory of God 
So the glory of God is not just for you, but the glory of God is for a generation that's coming up behind you. I'm going to say that again. The glory of God is not just for you. So you can walk around here and look spooky and say big words. But don't nobody know what you're talking about. But the glory of God is for the next generation that's coming behind you. Because my generation and the generation under me, we want to know that you've had a real encounter with God. Stop playing with me. Don't tell me you blessed and I know you live in foul. Don't tell me God is good when I know you live in broke, busted, and disgusted. Don't tell me. I need to see the glory on your life. Bible says, then Moses said to the Lord, see you say to me, bring up this people. But you have not let me know whom you will send with me. Yet you have said, I know you by name. And you have also found grace in my sight. Verse 13. Now, therefore, I pray if I have found grace in your sight, show me your way that I may know you and that I may find grace in your sight and consider that this nation is your people. God, I know what you promised me before and I know what just recently happened, but God, I, I need to know for sure, am I truly, have I truly found favor in your sight? Have I truly found grace in your sight? And are we truly the people that you've called to go into the promised land? Let me know what it is right now. Now, some of you have had those conversations. You may have been dating your spouse right now. And I know this is typically what, what, the, what the ladies do. What are we? <laughs> what are we? I mean, you've been coming to my dorm every day. <laughs> Like, let me know. It's been seven months. <laughs> like, what are we? Uh, what do you tell your friends that we are? I mean, we just kicking it. <laughs> like, no, 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 no. What? That, this is this is Moses talking. To, no, God, God, for real. Like, I know what you said before, but like, what? What are we? What? What am I to you? What are we as a people to you? What are we? And then God says this in verse 14. My presence will go with you and I will give you rest. Then Moses said to him, if your presence does not go with us, do not bring us up from here. I, I, I believe that today God is looking for people that are, are willing to say this same thing to God, that are willing to put a demand on the righteousness and the holiness of God. God, if your presence does not go with me, don't, don't bring me up from here. God, if, if your presence is not going with me, I don't want to go. God, I know I got this job opportunity in another state, in another place, but God, if your glory, if your favor, and if your merit is not on this, I don't want to leave from here. I, I know the money looks good I know I'll be able to buy a new house I'll be able to buy a new car I'll be able to pay down some of my tuition but God if your presence if your glory if your power is not going with me God I don't want to leave from this place Moses says for how then will it be known that your people and I have found grace in your sight if your glory don't follow how will I know except you go with us so we shall be separate your people and I 
from all the people who are upon the face of the earth? Verse 17, and the Lord said to Moses, I will also do this thing that you have spoken, for you have found grace in my sight, and watch this, and I know you by name. Does anybody have a prayer life with God where, where God will just begin to, to call you by your first name in random moments? Like, God, I am watching Avatar right now. You're going to have to talk to me tomorrow because this movie is long. <laughs> God, I'm watching this movie. God, can you hit me up later? And, and, and God just begins to whisper your name. Tammy. Michael. Terea. Ferris. James. Larry, God, God knows you by name. When you've worked on your relationship with him and you've put certain demands on him, God don't mind your demands that you put on him. That just shows the kind of relationship you got. That, certain people can talk to each other a certain kind of way based on their relationship. Uh, Y'all don't hear me. Certain people can talk. It's like, man, I remember, <laughs> you know, when we, my wife and I first got married, her and my sister, my, my wife didn't have any natural sisters. And my sister, obviously, <laughs> I'm not a woman. And so my sister didn't have any sisters. So they, like, they just became, like, tight. And I didn't know how tight they were until, like, I started finding out, like, my sister would tell my wife stuff that I didn't know. And, like, I just thought that wasn't cool. Like, I, I was your sibling first. <laughs> Like, like, what's going on here? Like, there's no loyalty today. Like, these kids don't know loyalty no more. Like, what's going on? And, uh, and, 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 you know, they would talk and they would share. And, and their relationship is so tight. And sometimes, like, I would hear how they would talk to each other. And I'm like, y'all good? <laughs> is everything okay? And my wife would be like, no, this is, this is how we talk to each other. Because their relationship is to a point where, that's just how they communicate. There's nothing wrong. They, they, can, they can talk to each other kind of crazy and, and, you know, get real snappy and stuff like that. Because I'm like, don't talk to me like that. <laughs> but, but Moses, because of his track record with God, God didn't have a problem with the way that Moses was putting a demand on God. Because he knew him by name. And so God says, and he says, I will do this thing which you have spoken, one, because of our relationship and because of the encounters that we've had. Two, because, because every time I've instructed you to do something, even if you had a little bit of doubt, you did it anyway. Sometimes following God is doing it scared. Sometimes, I don't, I don't know who this is for. Sometimes following God is doing it when you don't have all the answers. Sometimes following God is doing it when it don't look like it can be done. But God says go, and you're like, God, right now? And God's like, right now? And you're like, God, you sure? And, and God's like, yeah, I'm sure. Like, I wouldn't have told you had I not been sure. And then you're like, okay, God, I'm stepping out on faith and then people look at you crazy and people begin to talk and people begin to murmur and people begin to backbite and people begin to say you crazy and what's wrong with them and I can't believe they did that. Meanwhile, you're just following God and God is seeing all of this and God is saying because you've honored me with your yes, I will have a relationship with you where you can put certain demands on me and guess what? I'll step in. You can put certain demands on me and guess what? I'll intervene. You can pray certain things that other people pray and because you are willing to sacrifice your 
your time. You're willing to sacrifice your energy. You're willing to sacrifice and put food away. You're willing to consecrate and separate yourself. I'm willing to do things for you that I don't do for other people. Somebody say it's separation season. It's separation season. I know it's the beginning of the year and I know you've made some New Year's resolutions and you've set some goals for yourself, but God is asking for people that are willing to separate themselves from culture, that are willing to separate themselves from society, that are willing to separate themselves from some things that other people are doing and it looks like it's working from there for them and you think it's God for them and God's like, I'm not in it. Just because it's swelling don't mean that it's growing. And God is saying, I'm looking for some people that are willing to stand in my face and put a demand on my glory and say God I'm not leaving this place unless you go with us I don't care what you say I don't care what land you've promised me but God if your glory is not going to be there I don't want to go am I talking to anybody in this place if your glory is not there I don't want to be there if your presence is not there I don't want to be there if your spirit is not there I don't want to be there I feel like David when David prayed father cast me not away from your presence please don't take your spirit from me restore the joy of salvation so that I may worship you in spirit and in truth in the beauty of holiness God show me your glory God I need your glory God I want your glory I don't care what they're offering you I don't care how big the contract is I don't care I don't care how big they make it how how glitz and glamorous they make it because a true a true servant of God and a true test there's a lot of times the world will test you let's see if they really saved I know they Bible on their desk and we don't allow that but and see if they really say, hey, we have an opportunity for you. We want you to head this particular department. This department, they would pay you seven times what you get paid right now. But you'd have to compromise in every area of your life. And you deny the promotion because you heard from God. And you're like, they're idiots. This is how they These people are idiots. You're crazy. You're cra- You're turning down this. You're crazy. I mean, is there is is there anything? Well, I, I just I just I just know what God said. I just, I just know what God said. <laughs> I, I just know what God said. I I'm, I can only do what God is telling me to do right now. And, and you got it. And don't listen. Don't be and go speaking in tongues and in front of him. Oh, oh I bind you. No, this is your boss. <laughs> Relax. Thank you. Thank you so much for thinking of me. Thank you for the opportunity. Because there was an anointing on you that they didn't know what it was. There was an anointing on you. There was glory on you. They didn't know. They just saw that, that obviously if they could pay you that much, you would make the company 20 times what they was going to pay you. But once again, you'd have to compromise. And so you didn't compromise. And so now, every day, you go in a meeting, and they got a meeting before the meeting, and they're talking about you. Yeah, you know, he, here he comes. We're going to try to take him out for drinks later, see what happens. Yeah, so tell me, oh, you want a drink? And they just keep offering, like, no, I'm good. I'm good. Then they have the, the meeting after the meeting. Yeah, we still can't break them. 
Because you know what God said. If the glory ain't there, I don't want to go. If the, if the glory is not there, I don't want to go. He says, if your glory won't go, I, I don't want to be there. And then this is where our foundational text, Exodus 33, 18 says, and he said, after he'd already said all this stuff to God, he said, uh, please show me your glory. Now this has to, it started baffling my mind last night when I started really thinking about it because dude, you literally saw a burning bush that started speaking to you and, and gave you 10 commandments. Dude, you saw miracles nobody else saw. God used your staff to turn into a serpent. God used your staff to part the Red Sea. God used your little stuttering self, insecure self, to be born from your parents, to travel down in this little bread basket, down the river, fall into the hands of Pharaoh's wife. Then they took you in and didn't kill you when they recognized your hair texture was different than their hair texture. <laughs> Everybody else in Egypt had perms. And you walk around here with a jerry curl. You didn't consider that a miracle. You then didn't consider it a miracle when your brother, finally, you broke the news to him and you said you're leaving because you had an inkling. You had a burden. Anybody ever have a burden from God? You, you, God burdens you. And you're like, God, this is not the right time for this. God burdens you and, and you have this desire to set your people free because now like my dad would tell us you remember who you are <laughs> this is good and, and you remember who you are and then your siblings find you and, and you can't continue to take the torture that your siblings are going through so God uses you in mighty ways and then there's ten plagues that come over this particular kingdom and Pharaoh is like well we gonna see if your God is stronger than my God and then God shows himself so strong that all your people are delivered from the hand of Pharaoh and then you wander through the wilderness and God's hand never leaves you and you got the nerve to tell God to show me your glory after all that you've seen, you want more? How much more do you want? That's, that's my little finite 
way of thinking, but God is intrigued and God is happy. He's, he's excited. He's, he's like, oh, he wants some more. Because this really, this really is nothing to me. What, what I did with parting the Red Sea and what I did with turning the, the, the Red Sea into the Red Sea, what, what the miracles and the signs and the wonders that you've seen thus far, that's just, that's just little stuff. You want to see my glory? So God says this, I will make my goodness pass before you. And I will proclaim the name of the Lord before you. I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious. And I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. But God says, you cannot see my face. Well, Pastor Cam, you just said about seven scriptures ago that in the tabernacle of meeting that God spoke to Moses face to face. Well, it's an anthropomorphism. Y'all know the word I'm trying to say. It, it's, it's a way of... of of Moses seeking the face of God without literally seeing the face of God. The Bible says no man can see his face and live. He, he got to see what he thought God looked like. He, he, he got to see the glory of God revealed on one occasion. But then he says, show me your glory. And God says, well, I, I'll let my goodness Pass before you. That's why it's important and imperative for us to sing of the goodness of God because the goodness of God is connected to the glory of God. The goodness of God is connected to the faithfulness of God. The Bible says that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. If God was doing, doing miracles and performing miracles back then, he's going to perform miracles right now and then in the future. And in 50, 60, 100 years from now, he's still going to perform, be performing miracles. So you got to know that God is showcasing his glory to us even when we don't think that it's glory. God's goodness is a form of his glory that's why you got to remind your soul of the goodness of God. That's why you got to remind your siblings. You got to remind your spouse. You got to remind your children. God has been too good to us. God has been, he's been too good to us. We didn't think that it was glory because we didn't see a glory cloud. We didn't think it was glory because we didn't see angel dust. We didn't think it was glory because we didn't have anointed musicians playing behind us to make us sound more spiritual. We didn't think it was the glory, but God says, I will let my goodness pass before you God says here's a place here's another place after God had already instructed Moses to build the tabernacle of meeting then God tells him this you cannot see my face and live and the Lord said here is a place by me because in order for us to truly experience the glory of God you got to leave your place of comfortability you, sometimes it's going to take for you being one of them kind of people that always say, yeah, it don't take all that. Miss B, I hope you don't mind me using you. Sometimes people may see you running, and some folks may say, it don't take all that. Well, you don't know what God's done for her. You don't know the miracles that he's done in, in her life. You may see Elder Beverly laying prostrate on the altar. You may see her dance without her feet of praise garments on her. You may see somebody just randomly burst out in tongues. Or you may be like me and hear my dad just randomly. I'll be in the house. He just begins, thank you, G. And like full out tears, crying. I'm like, dad, we was just talking about LeBron. You don't know what God has done for them. So you can't say it don't take all that because God is requiring it from them. Because they want a glimpse of the...
here's a place by me. And then he says, and you shall stand on the rock. Now, the Bible is full of, full of metaphors and foreshadowing. God asked Moses to stand on the rock. One could say that before Moses even knew who Jesus was, Moses was standing on the rock of our salvation. Moses was standing on the cornerstone. Moses was, he, he was, he was standing on the shoulders of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And it says, so it shall be when my glory passes, when my glory passes by, that I will put you in the cleft of the rock and I will cover you with my hand while I pass by. Moses prayed for God to show him his glory and Moses is about to get a first-hand seat of what God is about to do in his life. I will take my hand and I will let you see my back, but my face shall not be seen. We are to seek his face, but you may end up seeing his back. Because the woman with the issue of blood knew, if I can just touch the hem of his garment, I don't got to see his face. I don't have to see his face. As long as I can get in close proximity to him, I, I, everything will begin to change for me. If, if I can be like the wee little man Zacchaeus and I will do great and mighty exploits in order to get in the presence of Chi. If I can just get in your presence, if I can just... If you can just pass me by. Well, thank you for joining us. I also want to thank you in advance for clicking on the link to support our ministry. Your giving is what moves ministry forward and ministry must move forward. You can also visit us online at cffczion.org for more information. If you were blessed by this word, please subscribe and share this podcast with your friends and family. God bless you.